Good morning, my friend. It is Action April. I can't believe that we're already in April of 2023. It's crazy to me how fast this year's going. My parents always told me as you get older, it goes faster, and I guess they're right. I'm up early. It's about 5.45 in the morning. Tata's already out and back in his room doing his thing, and I am um, having a cup of coffee here with you. I'm recording video with this. There's a software called Descript that the paid subscribers have helped us to expand what we're doing uh, for the podcast. And Descript allows me to record video uh, and audio, and it transcribes it so I can use a, a transcription and make that available for you in case you want to read it. I've got several listeners who write in and say, boy, I'd love to have a transcript of this particular episode. And I've always had to take the audio file and send it out and have it transcribed there's software that can do that, um, and it costs a lot of money to have a transcription. It's like a dollar a minute or something. So if you do an hour-long episode, that's 60 bucks uh, per episode to have it transcribed. But Descript, it's all rolled into one uh, feature, so that's pretty cool. And I can also take the, the video and edit it and put scriptures on screen or some graphs. or some, I can put different clips of things in and make a YouTube video out of it. And it just kind of streamlines things. You know, when I went to Substack um, from... Podbean, the previous provider, um, it added a lot of features and kind of uh, kind of streamlined the newsletter and podcast into one place, and it's really been helpful. Um, and I'm going to try to do some video here because as we get closer to the book launch for Hope is the First Dose, which is coming out July 25th, you can pre-order it now, by the way, uh, anywhere books are sold. Don't forget your local booksellers. Um, but when Hope is the First Dose comes out, we're going to need to be having um, a fair amount of video content as much as I don't love putting my face on camera. Um, it's just a reality. This, this social media environment is what it is now, and and you need to have video out there. People want to see your face and want to hear, um, see a face and see if they can connect with you and and uh, understand what you're saying. And then that's and that's how you get people to connect with your message. So you're going to be seeing a little bit more of my face. And in order to do that, I've got to get comfortable with it. So you know what? I'm uh, recording this this morning, sitting here with you, having a cup of coffee. And if you get out to YouTube at the Dr. Lee Warren podcast channel on YouTube, then uh, you can have a cup of coffee with me and we can talk about this stuff. But it's Action April. And starting back in 2021, we did this Action April kind of theme for the month of, you know, we've been talking about stuff for the whole year. We've been changing our minds about things in March. And now it's time to get after it and get some action done. And I just want you to think about a few things for Action April. And tomorrow I'm going to release... Um, the app, the action April 2021 episode. And I'll release the 2022 episode again, uh, next week, just so you can have the, the predecessors to this episode. Today, we're really going to talk about neuroscience and we're really going to talk about what happens in your body when you change the way you think. Okay. I'm, I'm fascinated with the fact that the Bible said something 2000 years ago. Science is just now coming around to figuring it out. And the way we try to explain things scientifically, if we don't, add in the fact that God's doing something can create some kind of crazy uh, things that we think about how our bodies work and how we got to be the way that we are. And today, I just want to give you some encouragement, especially if you're a person of faith. I want to give you some encouragement about why the science and the faith work perfectly together, in my opinion. And I'm always telling you in the intro, you hear Lisa say it, with the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together through what we call self-brain surgery. And today, I just want to give you a few minutes about what it means when I say you're doing self-brain surgery, I want you to understand this isn't just some motivational speaking, positive attitude type thing. It's not some 
psychological trick. It's a literal, physical, surgical procedure that you can learn to do on your brain that has dramatic and real changes on what happens in your body and maybe even in your genetics and maybe even in future generations of your family. Self-brain surgery saves lives, friend. It changes everything. There is a treatment plan for when the massive thing wipes you out and hurts you in your life. And the treatment plan we will go through and you learn it from me and hope is the first dose. And if you're not getting the newsletter, you get a prescription out of the treatment plan every Sunday, drleewarren.substack.com. You get that free newsletter every week to learn this self-brain surgery idea. But the first dose is hope. And tomorrow's newsletter, I'm going to tell you why hope is the first dose, in case you're wondering. But the bottom line is you can't change your life until you change your mind. Self-brain surgery is how you get it done. And the good news is, my friend, you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. All right. So we're going to get after self-brain surgery today. It's Action April, okay? And when I tell you it's Action April, what I mean by that is I want you to have something that you've decided that you're going to do in your life, something that you, your heart's been tugging at you, the Lord has been pulling at you, your mind has been telling you, you're, you you've been wanting to do, thinking about doing for a long time. We had a meeting yesterday, a really incredible um, three-hour-long meeting with um, a young couple from here in North Platte. I'll be telling you about them soon. Um, and Josh and Caitlin Spurl, shout out to you guys if you're listening. Um, and they've started a company. They're they're making hats with um, sports logos, team logos, and, and different things on the the logo um, that are made out of football leather. So he's a football fan, and he's a he loves to make things. And he started this company where he takes the Auburn logo or the Nebraska logo or, or whatever and makes it out of a football and can sew it onto the hat. And it's a really cool, uh, really cool picture, really cool hat and uh, we, Lisa found out about him around Christmas time and she ordered a whole bunch for Vince Genitone and his teammates at Montana and uh, we're connecting them with some people in Auburn and different places and it's just a cool story but the bottom line is he had a dream okay he had a dream and he thought about it and knew he kind of figured out what the technical pieces would be of making that dream come true and he decided to get after it and he took action 
And that created a company that now he's able to leave his full-time job and work that full-time. And it's becoming a reality. So now it's, it started as this dream, and it now is a real thing. But what changed? What changed was he decided to change his mind about that being just a dream. And he decided to turn it into a reality, and he got after it and took action, and now it's a real thing. And that's what I want you to do in April. There's something in your life you want to do something different than you've done. You want to get up off the couch and get in shape. You want to stop drinking alcohol. You want to do something. And you've been working through Lent. You've been working through Mind Change March with us. You've been doing all these things, but you haven't yet pulled the trigger. There's somebody listening today that hasn't started yet, and it's time to start today. Why do I always say you start today? This this podcast, when I first started it back in 2014, 2014, I've got my tongue tangled a little bit. Um, when we first started the podcast, it was called You Start Today with Dr. Lee Warren. Why? Because Lisa and I and our family had this this thing. After we lost Mitch, our son, back in 2013, there's so many things that parents say, and I've met with dozens of them now. There's so many things that people say after they lose somebody, and they almost always come around to, I wish I had. I wish I'd done. I wish I'd spent more time. I wish I'd said this thing. I wish I'd apologized for that. I wish I'd, I wish I had. I wish I had. I wish I hadn't. Okay? And so the common theme is there was stuff they knew they needed to do, and they never got started. And the bottom line is you can't start yesterday. And you can't start tomorrow. You got to start today. So the podcast was called You Start Today. YST. We had a logo and everything. I might get Josh to put YST in one of the hats. I might get you a, a coffee cup that says You Start Today. We used to have them. My dad was the first one to buy a You Start Today podcast coffee cup. And he still has it, I think. But so the bottom line is it's Action April and it's time to start. Okay. It's time to start. And I was sick last week. I missed a day of work, which is super rare, Monday at clinic. I was so dizzy and coughing and running a fever, and I just couldn't go. And Lisa said, you know what? You're not going to go expose your patients to your virus that you caught, and obviously you're sick, and you need to cancel that. And that created a whole string of consequences, including me having to be in clinic yesterday, which went long and ended up having to cancel a podcast interview that I had on the schedule for two months with Jared Adams, who wrote an incredible book called Redeeming Justice. Um, I'm really sad. I hope we get to reschedule that with him. We've had the hardest time getting together. He's rescheduled on me twice, and now I've rescheduled on him. And it's just, it's been a lot of opposition to getting together for that book, to have that, have that conversation. But I wanted to have him as the first Action April podcast because his story is so powerful about what he's been through. And I think it would be helpful to you as well. But nevertheless, that missing that podcast was a consequence of being sick. And so sometimes things happen in your life that puts you out of commission and that creates some consequences downstream and you have to deal with them, right? And so one of the things about Action April is there's going to be some consequences to the things that you change. There's going to be some consequences, though, if you don't change them. I had a long conversation yesterday with a patient who was really scared about having surgery, like to the point of being almost uh, neurotic about the idea of being in a hospital. Like, like the, per- the person said, I just can't even walk across the threshold. You know, my mom died in a hospital and I just can't, I, I just can't even get in the building. So how am I supposed to have surgery? And I said, let's talk about your disease. Like the real scary thing here is that if you don't treat the disease, you are going to have a real serious problem. You're going to stop being able to do this. You're going to probably die 
if you don't treat it. And if you do treat it, yeah, there's some risk. There's some associated risk of having surgery. But the risk of not taking action here is so much higher than the risk associated with the action that you need to take. Anyway, so my point is this. There's some risk associated with action. And that's one of the reasons that people go through this long failure of staying put, as I've called it. So you can keep doing what you're doing. That's why people stay in abusive relationships, by the way. They, they let the, I don't mean to oversimplify this, but some people stay in abusive situations because the comfort of what they know, like they got the house, they've got the food, they got the bills paid and all that. And yes, they get verbally, emotionally, sexually, physically abused. But what's scarier is what's out there if they leave that situation. And that's one of the psychological powers that abusers have over them. Well, yeah, you got me, but you don't have anything if you leave me, right? You may have these problems, we may have these issues, but if you leave me, you have nothing, right? That's scary. So taking action always has the cost of what you might lose in response to it, the people who might not come along with you. Like like Josh that started this company when he left his primary job. There's probably some people, I didn't ask him this, but, but I know enough about entrepreneurs to know that most of us have a, a ship full of people who didn't take the journey with us who said, uh, you know, that's weird. You're, you're weird for taking that risk. You got a good job. People say it to me about writing books, by the way. Like, why do you get up so early and podcast and write books? You got a good job and make good living what's wrong with you why can't you just be happy and why do you got to do all that stuff and i think the bottom line is that some people don't feel comfortable with you performing more it makes them feel like they're not doing enough right maybe if you're one of my people if you're one of my entrepreneurial colleagues you'll hear that and i've heard there's an old saying that says entrepreneurs do things that other people aren't willing to do so they can live like other people are unable to live right so do this hard stuff because you're being called to it and it ultimately pays off and you have this life that everybody else wonders how you got so successful so quickly, right? <laughs> you had overnight success that took 20 years to make. And so that's the reality that some people won't come alongside you if you decide to get after it in April. If you decide to take action and make some changes, you might lose something. You might lose something that's comfortable to you. But the payoff on the other side, if God's calling you to it, as Christine Kane says, he will get you through it. If he's calling you to it, he will equip you for it. He will help you through it and you'll make it. Okay. I had a medical student write me an email last week. This I'm really scared about going to medical school and becoming a neurosurgeon. I'm scared. What if this happens or what if that happens? Or wouldn't it be safer for me to, to do a, an easier specialty? And I said, if your heart's calling you to be a neurosurgeon, you're not going to be you're not going to be fulfilled if you don't do it. If God's calling you to it, he'll get you through it. So that's what Action April is about. Long preamble to say that. Now, I just want to give you a few thoughts. And my whole next book, so I hope is the first dose is coming out in July. The next book is called Self-Brain Surgery. Okay, And it's about the neuroscience and the reality of what happens when you get faith and science to work together. And what really happens in your body when you do self-brain surgery. And I just want to give you a few thoughts here. It's mind-blowing reality that's come out of neuroscience research. It started back in, in 2004 or so when they figured out what we now call neuroplasticity. Before that, before 2004, we were all taught, all the neurosciences were taught that you're born, with, if I said it to a million patients, you, you're born with all the brain cells you're going to have, so you better protect them. Neurons don't divide and replicate, and you're just stuck with the brain you've got once you're an adult. And and the brain gets smaller and you lose brain cells as you get older and that's why you age and that's why you become demented and all that stuff and you and you're just hosed because you don't have any 
the ability to make new brain cells. And we know, we learned in 2004 that that's not true. They don't replicate and divide at the same pace that other cells do, but you can make new neurons. And more importantly, you can make new synapses, which is the connective network between neurons. There's hundreds of millions of neurons in your brain, and there's trillions with a T. There's trillions of synaptic connections between them, and you can make new ones, and you can cut old ones. That's why one of my cell brain surgery operations that I'm always telling you about is called severing six synapses. Because when you have a synapse between two cells, what it does is sort of automates the interaction and outcome of a particular thing. So if you, a good example is when you touch that hot stove the first time when you're a little kid and it burns your hand, your brain wires a pattern of knowledge of subconsciously noticing that something's hot or might be hot and avoiding the touching of it so that you don't get burned again and you don't have to think about it anymore. You automatically, if you see a curling iron laying on the counter, you don't grab it to find out if it's hot. You know it's probably hot and you don't touch it because you don't want to burn your hand. You don't touch the stove if it's red or even if it's not now because you know it could hurt you. And so you have created a synapse that does not require your conscious thinking to avoid that painful thing happening to you. That's a synapse, okay? But the problem is we sometimes make unhealthy synapses, okay? Somebody broke up with you. Somebody cheated on you. Somebody hurt you in the past. And now you're subconsciously pulled back from a relationship anytime it starts to get interesting for you or become hopeful for you because you're afraid that you might feel that pain again. And so you end up you know, 75-year-old with 400 cats in your house all by yourself because you never felt safe to pursue another relationship. And I don't mean to pick on 75-year-old cat people. I'm just saying that's <laughs> that, that, that you can create a life of avoiding potentially painful things, and the root cause of that is that you had a synapse based on something painful that happened to you a long time ago that you never thought about it, and you never learned how to sever and create better synapses. So what we learned in 2004 with neuroplasticity is you can change synapses, and you can make new ones and healthier ones, and that synapse, neurons that fire together, the neuroscientists say, wire together. And what that means is when you do a, a thing more than one time, when you think a thought more than one time, when you create a pattern of behavior based on feelings or based on experiences, you create new synapses and you automate those things to happen. And so you can create new synaptic connections that can change how things have always been. You don't have to be the way you've always been. So in context of Action April, here's a few mind-blowing things that I want you to get. It's coming out of the research that I did for Hope is the First Dose, and it's going to come out in the book form in self-brain surgery, hopefully next year. Here it is. The research is crystal clear. Okay, friend, this is not just motivational speaking. When I first started doing all this stuff, I I thought, that's silly. Nobody wants to hear. I'm not... Tony Robbins and I'm not Zig Ziglar and all that. And Lisa kept saying, you are a brain surgeon and you can tell people how their brains work and how that works with faith and you can help them and you need to do it. And you're, and the reason they'll listen to you is that you're a brain surgeon. And I didn't really understand it. I I even understand why I was being called to it, but now I do. Here it is. 
I can take you to the operating room and I can literally cut your scalp open and saw your skull open and open your dura matter and I can put a knife in your brain and cut out your brain tumor or drain that hematoma or whatever needs to be done. I can perform surgery on your brain and in doing so, I might be able to make something better for you. I might be able to make you stop having seizures or get rid of the cancer that's threatening your life or drain the pressure and improve your quality of life, but I will hurt you in doing that. I will cut your brain in some way and there will be some consequence to the brain surgery that I perform. It will hurt. It will have to heal. You'll need some physical therapy. You'll need some rehab. There's a consequence when we do physical surgery, not just brain surgery, but orthopedic surgery, general surgery, all procedures of trauma to the body in some way, right? It's going to hurt you to have this procedure. And the, the goal, the prayer that we have is that the hurt from the procedure is outweighed by the benefit, right? Well, here's the deal about self-brain surgery. It doesn't hurt you. It only helps you if you learn how to do it properly. Because here's the fact. This is crystal clear from the research I've done. Your thoughts perform surgery on your DNA. The way you think doesn't just change the, the way you might behave. It, might, it doesn't just elevate your mood. It doesn't just help you have a more positive attitude. The fact is your thoughts change your cells and change your DNA. Here's what we learned, okay? I'm just going to give you the bullet points today, but I'm going to give you the real research and the facts in the book, Self-Brain Surgery, down the road, and we'll be talking about it on the podcast. We're going to have some neuroscientists on the show, and we're going to really learn about this because I want you to know it. It's a great trick of the devil that he's convinced society that Christianity and faith is silly and science is everything. The fact is, your God created science, and your God created your brain. And Paul says in Acts 17 that in him we live and move and have our being, okay? And the fact is that you are who you are because in the beginning was the Word, John says in John chapter 1. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word with a capital W. He's talking about Jesus, the Logos, the, the knowledge, the Word of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So here's the thing. Jesus is the word of God, and everything, John says, everything that was made was made through him and by him. Remember that Tuesdays with Tata episode we did about fiat loose, about let there be light? When God said, I want you to make light, Jesus made it, okay? He's the creator of it. You can make stuff. Josh Spurley can make a baseball cap, but he can't create it, okay? He can't create the electrons that go into that hat, but Jesus can, and Jesus did. So here's the thing about self-brain surgery, okay? Let's get back to it. Your thoughts perform surgery on your DNA. Every cell in your body dies and is replaced, splits, and replicates itself basically every 60 days. You make a whole new you every couple of months for the most part. And the DNA in those cells, my friend, is constantly being reprogrammed based on the experience and the environment those cells have been exposed to. So here's the thing. The body is smart, okay? If you have a high sugar – so cells have – 
proteins on their surface that are called receptors. If you look at them under an electron microscope, it literally looks like um, a receptor might look like a C, and the molecule that fits that receptor might look like a, a block, and that block perfectly fits into the receptor. Okay, So God made receptors on your cell surfaces that have proteins that fit and other proteins that won't fit. So if there's a protein that's got the wrong shape or the wrong chemical composition, it won't fit in that receptor because receptors are specific for the signal hormone or signaling protein that makes them work. So if you got a, a cell that has receptors for glucose and you've got a lot of glucose in your system, then you're going to make cells, the next generation of those cells are going to upregulate the receptor for glucose because the environment is rich for them. And your next generation of cells will have more glucose receptors than the previous generation did. Why? Because the body is smart. It's well designed. And it says, hey, if you're going to give me all this, I need to be able to pull more of it into my system. So I need to be able to suck more of that glucose into my cells. So I'm going to make more receptors. And guess what else happens? Cells, uh, surface receptors that are not used in that environment as often downregulate, and the next generation of cells don't have as many of the receptors that are not as needed. And so what happens then over time is the cells in your body change, and they are replicating themselves to more appropriately fit the environment that you're putting them in. Okay. Well, guess what makes receptors up and downregulate? The environment. Well, guess what regulates the environment? The hormones. They're around, okay? Well, guess what regulates the hormones? Well, other hormones, signaling hormones, um, stimulating or blocking hormones. And those come from the brain and from glands throughout the body. And those are controlled by neurotransmitters in the brain, okay? So in the brain, neurotransmitters are controlled largely by our thinking, Okay, and it's not completely. There's other things that uh, you know, genetics and environment and injuries and all those things. But but the way you think changes the neurotransmitter environment in your brain. You think I'm crazy? I'm not. There's articles. Type in in Google, does prayer change your brain? For example, and you'll find articles by a guy named Andrew Newberg and a whole bunch of other scientists at Jefferson and all over the place. And they'll show you functional MRI images, and you can find Daniel Amen's research, and you can find all kinds of research out there that shows that what you think about. I talk about this in Hope is the First Dose. What you think about changes the neurotransmitter environment in your brain. And when the neurotransmitters change, your cells change. Your regulatory environment and your brain changes. And when the neurotransmitter environment changes, the hormone environment changes. And when the hormone environment changes, the rest of your body changes. And you literally downstream from that become a different person based on the way that you have been thinking. So here's the bottom line. Here's the way it works out. Every cell in your body is controlled by hormones and chemical messenger proteins, and those controlling signals are received by cell surface proteins called receptors. And receptors, as I said before, are either up or down regulated over time based on which signals are most commonly sent to that particular cell, which means that when that cell divides, the new daughter cell will contain a higher percentage of receptors for the messages that they most often receive. And the mechanism of how those receptors are regulated 
repeated changes in the DNA of the cell. And every cell in your body, as I said, is replaced every 60 days. And the neurotransmitters in your brain influence the production of hormones by glands in your body. And glandular hormone secretion controls basically every other function in your body. And the most powerful influencer of neurotransmitter production in the brain is your thinking. Which means, as I said before, what you think about changes your DNA. Now, here's the the really scary part or exciting part, depending on how you think, friend. There's a new field, pretty new field called epigenetics, and it's, it's becoming clear that people are born with genetic realities that are based on what their mothers experienced when they were pregnant. In other words, mothers who are exposed to stressful environments and trauma, their kids have different baseline predilections for depression and anxiety. Their, their genetics are predisposed to having certain mental issues and health problems because their moms were stressed when they were pregnant. Epigenetics means you can change somebody else's DNA based on your life, based on your thoughts, based on your experiences. You can affect other people. And it's also true that when you're around other people and they influence you in different ways and it changes the way that you think, you can end up changing your cells and your body based on exposure to other people. Now, this might be, it might be the beginnings of us understanding some of these ideas in the Bible around what we call generational curses, okay? If your dad's an alcoholic, you're more likely to be an alcoholic, right? If your mom's depressed, you're more likely to be depressed. If your uncle was abusive, you're more likely to be abusive, okay? Because you change how you think and you react and you feel, which changes your neurotransmitters, which changes your hormones, which changes your cell surface receptors, which changes your body and changes your mind and changes your life. And if you don't think that means you need to be careful how you speak around your kids, if you don't think that means you need to be very thoughtful and careful about how you behave around your spouse, you better think again, friend, because you are a brain surgeon, not just for yourself, but for the people around you and the people in your generations. You're changing their DNA by how you act, and they will then produce other people with DNA that's influenced by how you lived your life. And that might be the beginning of us understanding why God says so clearly, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge, right? My dad was grumpy. I'm, I have a baseline predilection to being grumpy. Now, my dad was not grumpy. I'm just saying. Some people are. The bottom line is this. I keep saying bottom line. I'm not sure why. That's what happens when I don't have a script. I'm just talking to you out of the passion I have for this topic. The bottom line is this. I have a little bit of my cold left over, so I'm still struggling with my voice. I'm sorry. The bottom line is this, friend. You either shape the cells with better thinking, you shape your body, you shape your life with better thinking, or they will shape your thinking. And that's what makes you say, oh, that's just how I am. You hear people all the time say, oh, that's just how I am. You're not. It's not how you are. You can change how you are. You can change your mind. You can change your life. Okay, that's why one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. You have the gift of selective attention and you are a brain surgeon, whether you think you are or not. You are changing the way your brain works and you're changing the way your body works and you're changing the way other people's brains and bodies work by the way you live your life. And that is part of self-control. And that is part of letting the logos, the word, help you live your life because he's a brain surgeon. 
He created your brain and he wants you to use it to his glory. Okay. Neuroscience is fascinating. And what it's doing is it's teaching us that he knew what he was doing all along when he said, whatever's lovely and noble and good and kind, think about these things and the peace of God will fill you. He says, how do you deal with anxiety? Think about better stuff. That's Philippians 4, by the way. And here's another one for you. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. What he's saying is you want to be peaceful. You want to be less anxious. You want to be less depressed. You want to be less nervous. Put your mind on Jesus. Put your mind on things above. Set your mind on stuff that's not so temporary. That's what the treatment plan is about. The treatment plan is about prehab so you know you're going to have trouble in your life. You know you're going to struggle and have some trouble because this massive thing is coming along in your life. That's what the whole book, Hope is the First Dose, is about. So you know there's going to be trouble. You prepare for that ahead of time by deciding what you really believe when you're not under stress. You decide what you believe about God. You decide what you believe about yourself and your family and all these things. And then when you hit the trouble, you're not waylaid by it and you're not out there wondering what you believe. You're separating your reality from your circumstance, right? And then you've got that solid. Then you learn the self-brain surgery piece. Well, when this happens and it hurts, here's what I do to find hope again. Here's how I grab on to light the light again. Here's how I keep from falling in despair. Here's how I keep myself resilient. And then you have this rehab process where you come along the other side of people and you build community and you rework the things that hurt and you try to repair and reestablish them and get a little bit stronger for the next time that it all comes along. That's the treatment plan. Prehab, self-brain surgery, rehab. But it starts with hope. And why is hope the first dose? Tomorrow's newsletter is going to tell you. But hope is the first dose because that's, I see it in my office all the time. I saw it yesterday. People come in and they've decided that their life is just going to be painful or this tumor is going to take them out and they've lost hope and they just, they're just, they just don't know what to do and they're desperate and they don't really believe that they can get better anymore. They've tried it all before. They've had the shots. They've had the injections. They've tried surgery. They're addicted to narcotic pain relievers and they just have given up. And I pull up the MRI and just it's a new opinion and I'm seeing them for the first time. And I say, wait a minute, you know, that that bone spur right there might be why your leg hurts. Maybe we could, maybe I could shave that off of there for you. Maybe your leg will feel better. Maybe you can get better. Maybe there's something that somebody else didn't see before. Maybe, or this, this MRI makes it a little bit more clear. It's a better scan than the one you had before. I can see it better. And And sometimes when I say that, I see this little light come on. And they sit up a little straighter, and they look me in the eye, and they say, "Really, really, Doc? You, you think you could help me?" And there's a little tear that forms sometimes, and the, the wife grabs the the tear, the the tissue, and she's dabbing her eyes because she's starting to believe that her husband might actually be able to get better, and maybe they can get back to work, and maybe they won't lose their house, and and, and all of a sudden, they're investing in the possibility of getting better. Because the treatment plan is there, they've got to go to the hospital and they've got to submit to the IV getting started and sign the consent forms. And they've got to let us roll them into the operating room and put them in position and cut their body open and do all these things. And and they can't do that themselves. They've got to submit to the procedure. But before they can do that, they've got to give us consent and they've got to drive to the hospital. And they've got to they've got to take 
hope. And hope is a verb. It remembers that things can work out because some things have worked out before and, and, it, and it acts. It's memory and movement. It moves. They get in the car. They drive to the hospital. They sign the consent form. They lay down on the gurney. They let the IV get started. Hope was the first dose, though. Hope was the reason they said yes to that. And not like the person I described before. They're so scared that they can't even go to the hospital to have surgery. They just, they just wither away and die instead. So when I say hope is the first dose, that's what it is. is that decision that I am going to remember, I'm going to move, I'm going to take action, and it's Action April, friend. And your brain changes your body, and your brain changes your DNA, and you are in charge of your thoughts. You are not the way you've always been. You don't have to be. Not one more day. You can be like God said to Job, the ocean, I tell it what its boundaries are, and I say this far and no farther. And friend, you can do that too. It's Action April. You can change your mind, and you can change your life. You can change your DNA. You're not stuck with how things have always been, and in a cellular actual real body level you can make these changes it's not just positive thinking it's not just trying to put a band-aid on it and make it feel better and put a smile on it you literally friend can change your mind and change your brain and change your life but you know what you have to start today hey thanks for listening please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode and if you like the show you'll love my weekly letter check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com drleewarren.substack.com get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier feeling better and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery drleewarren.substack.com and if you need prayer go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer the theme music for the show is make us one by tommy walker graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org check it out and consider supporting them tommywalkerministries.org remember you can't change your life until you change your mind and the good news is you can start today i'm dr lee warren i'll talk to you soon god bless you friend have a great day